Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast. This is podcast number 52. I'm Joe Coulter and I'm here with my co-host Stevie Poocher. We're going to have a good chat with Paul Broderick and Cahill Craig today, both recent inter-county retirees with Carlo and Roscommon respectively. Stevie and I will pick through their minds about their views on modern day coaching, uh, about their future plans as well. But before we do that, just a quick thanks to our sponsors, Ripped, for supporting the podcast. Ripped's online platform provides coaches with everything they need to optimize athlete performance. Head over to ripped.app for more information. Okay, Cahill, thanks for coming on. Um, we'll start with you. Was it a difficult decision to hang your boots up after 16 years with Roscommon? Um, no, I'd say, I'd say personally for myself, it wasn't, I, I probably had the, well, I had the decision made before the start of the season gone by and, um, like, I suppose I just had came, came to the, the point in my life or career that I suppose that maybe I just didn't have the, the full spark to go at it. So it, I just felt it was the right time for myself, you know? So in the end, I didn't find it that hard, you know, but, um, I suppose it, uh, after a long time, it's, uh, it wasn't that difficult of a decision, I suppose. And uh, just looking through the amount of appearances uh, you made for us, common 165 uh, appearances, and I think you've scored something like 24 goals and 184 uh, points for us, common. I'm sure us, common will miss that for the next few years. Yeah, um, look, I've been I've been lucky enough uh, throughout the career, bar early on in my career, that I didn't pick up a whole pile of injuries and in that. Um, but I suppose the, in the latter part of my career, it, uh, I probably wasn't as, as prolific um, as, <laughs> as uh, maybe the middle part. Uh, I had different roles and so on. The, they might miss me on the scoring front, the plenty of scoring forwards, but uh, <laughs> the, maybe maybe if some of them don't like doing the donkey work, I suppose. That's what I would put at. <laughs> Yo, Joe, I, I was going to say, I think one of the reasons he retired was the three months he had me just finished him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say that in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Stevie, Stevie, yeah, Stevie, of course, uh, has coached both of the lads. Uh, just moving on to you there, Paul. Uh, what about your retirement? Um, uh, I think you were there with Carlo for what, 14 years, was it? Uh, well, it probably spanned the 14 year period, but uh, I was, I did the last eight or nine in a row, and then I was kind of, it was sporadic in the first part of my career uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I was in there consistently from kind of 2013 14 until, until now. And uh, I was going to say there, you 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 done an interview there recently as well. You didn't you you said that it was until you were sort of twenty six or twenty seven that you took uh, sort of inter inter county football seriously. Sorry, yeah, after I was twenty six or twenty seven, yeah, yeah after, I, I yeah. kind of uh, kind of a late bloomer uh, that way. I suppose I was playing a couple of other things, and I was doing. I suppose it was kind of enjoying life, um, and uh, I wasn't. I always kind of put it off, saying I'll definitely go in, and you know, I'll give it a go. Um, and it's not, it wasn't that it didn't appeal to me. It was just then, I suppose, one stage it just dawned on me. I'm like, um, you know, I'm, I'm gone past the middle of my twenties now. This is supposed to be, supposed to be your prime. But in other words, I better hit the ground running if I, if I'm going to go in. So yeah, it was just, it was just kind of when I did kind of buy into it, I was always looking from the outside going, that's a serious amount of commitment and whatever. And, and, uh, when I did buy into it, I, I did feel, um, I probably mentioned in the same interview, like I felt like I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and it's only really a recent thing, a little bit like Carl said there, I kind of, 
it was a decision. I didn't come to it very quickly. Like I thought about it from the end of last season. Um, I was kind of weighing up the pros and the cons and I just felt it was it was the right time for me to uh, to step away. And lads, we'll just go through the the sort of highlights of, of your career there quickly. Um, yeah, Paul, you were twice there. It'll, it'll be fairly quick for me anyway, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Not too bad. You were twice named a GPA Player of the Year, May 2017, May 2018. Obviously, that was around the time of, you know, Carlo Rise and under uh, Turlo and, and, and Stevie there. Would those have been your, your personal highlights and obviously you know, the sort of team highlights? What would they, what would they have been for you? Uh, yeah, I suppose if you go up to the 2017 one, we played uh, we played Wexford and Carlo hadn't won a Leinster Championship game in, I think that was 2017. So six years since we'd won a Leinster Championship game and um, Stevie had his prime, to be fair to him. We, we'd come, we'd disappointment in the league. Uh, we'd defeat to, to London and Leitrim. And uh, we, we finished with three wins in the league and knew that we had a performance in us. So we we played Wexford then in a kind of a high scoring game at home. And uh, we drew a big, big crowd, probably because it's, it was a long time again since we won three games in a row in the league. Um, and that for personally, probably like that was a, a game I'd pick out um, like a lot of people might have said, well, Wexford in your division, you might have expected to beat them, but it was a game I'd pick out where one of those games um, where kind of things, nothing went wrong. And I don't think I've ever had a game like it where everything I just tried came off. And uh, that personally is probably a highlight and was probably maybe the reason for uh, for that that particular um, award. But yeah, 2018, um, from a team point of view, was, was probably the year I'd say that, you know, was the major highlight because you had you had the trip to Antrim where we got promoted in the league and you had the win against Kildare, which was the first time in 60-odd years that, that Carlo had beaten them. So to be part of those two things, like, you know, in playing a team sport, I, I would find that, you know, even though you're, you're proud of your individual accolades, like the ones, the team ones are the ones you remember and they're the ones you're going to share forever. Even, you know, you meet up with friends or meet up with lads, past lads or the panel or even current lads, like they're the things you reminisce about. You'll always have your own personal memories. But uh, yeah, those highs, the Kildare and the Antrim day were, were pretty special. Joe, Joe, can I just add in there? I just want to correct Paul there because he said in the Wexford game that it was one of those games I think he did went right, but he forgot to tell you that he also got sent off in that game. But he probably forget that. <laughs> Do we have Stevie? Do we have <laughs> was, he, was he a fiery type of character, uh, Paul there, Stevie, when you coached him? What was he like in training? I, I tell you one thing though, uh, uh, Joe, he was, he, he had a bit of bite about him, but I'll tell you what, he'd no bite when you went into a pub or a restaurant because his wallet never played with fat. <laughs> In that respect. No, listen, Paul was 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 a gem to work with, and I was just looking here at the stats of the two boys. Like Cahill, obviously, twenty four goals and one hundred eighty four points, and Paul obviously had his own contribution of of thirteen goals and three hundred and sixteen points. And I said to him before, like you know, I was very fortunate to work with some great footballers uh, as a coach, like, and you know, very few left footers. Uh, obviously, Martin Clark being the, the highlight for me, you know, ten years ago with Marty at club level, like, but. You know, Paul's left foot was 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 as good as one that I've ever seen anyway, you know, from a striker of the ball and struck the ball so clean and, and great attitude of training, great attitude of life and, and a top lad, just just like just like Cal there, you know. And probably, you know, Cal will probably be the first to admit as well. Like, you know, he's he's had a few medals and a few trophies for the end of his career. It's probably harder for players like Paul as well, you know, when you're throwing around the lower leagues and don't get the same exposure. And I think over the last couple of years. As you talked about Paul's career there, he, he rightly got the just rewards and, and the, the accolades that he fully deserved and, and, and fair play to, to, to him, you know. Yeah, and uh, just Cahill yourself there, um, just what Stevie was saying about those iconic championship medals you had, you also represented Ireland there in 2014. Uh, what, what's, what have been the highlights, what the main highlight for you 
Yeah, I suppose the, the two, definitely the three of them you're after mentioning, the, the two Connacht titles, um, I suppose to be, to be special in different ways, really. Um, in 2010, there wasn't much expected of us. We were after getting relegated to Division 4 at the time. And uh, we, we came out and we had a really good championship. And uh, that was obviously my first Connacht title. And, you know, that's always a, a special thing. And I, I suppose that group of players, I would have felt maxed out. Like, you know, there was just a great team, I suppose, cohesion and, and everyone just, I suppose, going in the one direction, really. Like, and then in 2019, you know, we'd had a, you know, we came up through the divisions and, you know, we had brought a lot of good young players through and we, we were probably, I suppose, peaking at that point. And like to beat, to beat Mayo and Galway, the big two and Connacht traditionally, beat them away from home. Um, that was, that was a, a special one as well. You know, that has only ever been done twice in, in Roscommon's history. So that was that was obviously a, a big highlight in terms of achievement. And uh, yeah, getting to go on that international rules trip uh, in 2014 was 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 class. Like, you know, I was 10 years living as a basically as a professional player out in, in, in uh, Perth in Australia, the lifestyle and the beaches and, and, and the sun and so on. You know, I'd missed out on the year previous. Um, it came close enough and then I met it in 14 and got the trip like so like you know I was even chatting some of the lads last week when it, when it, when it was announced like texting a few of them and that like so it was just that was a I suppose a great a great period in, in my life as a player like you know yeah and um, I was just going to ask you there uh, Cal do you have any kind of regrets or Paul do you have any kind of regrets just looking back over your career things that you could have done better or anything Um, I suppose I suppose you'd always have the regret like we the last uh, number of years there particularly probably in 19 like that we didn't push on like and maybe make an all-Ireland semi-final and so on you know we were we were quite close we ran uh, in the Super 8s we ran Tyrone very close in the height and if we had won that we'd have probably made a semi-final you know we had a couple of very good goal chances in the first half been a couple of chances like that to to push on and break the ceiling in terms of getting to a semi-final and I I think there was enough talent in the county to do that but but ultimately we we didn't or haven't done it you know that'd be a regret for me and yourself Paul yeah I, I suppose ones I'm <clears throat> ones I would be in control of like regrets I, I, <clears throat> I've mentioned that like I, I probably part of me wishes I would love to know if, if you could live a double life and see what it would it have been like to, to be something like Cahill and, and go in from maybe when you're 18 or 19 um, the opportunity was there and while I took it up to very begin with I then went on to college in Galway and I, I didn't really I didn't really grasp it like I, I was in and out until I was 26 or 27 and I'd, I'd love to know where, where the journey might have taken me um, had I gone into and I really admire lads who, who do it for that long because it's, it's a serious commitment um, like you know by any you're going to have years like you know dry years you're going to have good years and I think to, to stick with it for that long and be the, the the workhorse some years when you need to be and when others are not committing like it takes serious commitment probably a regret that I had no real control of was uh, the year we got up to division three in 2018 and I, I didn't really get to play any of that league uh, the our championship I didn't really get to play at all in 2019 I, I tore we played one game, we beat Sligo in the first game and then the warm-up against Westmead, um, we were away to Westmead in our second game and uh, we drew that game, but I, I tore a calf in the warm-up, missed the next three games and then um, then came back and tore the calf in, in, in training before the second or third last game, the, the opposite calf. And I Basically, I bookended the league, I got to play against Sligo and against Leash 
And uh, we lost against Leash in the final day by a couple of points and went back down. And I suppose the regret is that, um, that it, one, I didn't get to be involved, but on a, on a larger scale, it, I suppose we went back down. And I suppose Stephen would probably add to this. I never really felt that we... I won't say we didn't deserve to go back down. You get what you deserve in that sense. But I think that we were level on points with Offaly uh, for it to come down to head-to-head when we'd so many tight games. I think another year in that division and we possibly could have made strides uh, to, to get back up. or to You know, we were at the end of a, a group of players where lots of lads were given a long commitment. And like I was only looking at the other day, we played Dublin in 2017 in Championship and there's only three players left with Carlo now on the squad that started that game. I suppose that was kind of the end of when lads started to to peter off a little bit in 2019. It just would have been nice to to get to play that full year, number one, but more importantly, to, to stay in that division and possibly go up. Um, I think we had the players to do it. Um, Stevie, um, how important is it for managers, intercounty managers, to try and keep you know these older players on board? I know the boys had sort of 14, 16 years you know, uh, playing, playing for the county. How important is it to try and keep these players, you know, keep their experience, keep their accumulation of knowledge and try to help the young lads to come in? Joe, I had this conversation the other day with James McCartan. Like, you know, James is obviously taking the reins here and, and down. Uh, you know, hats off to him. You know, last last minute job. And James, as James has always done, has answered the call. Uh, fair play to him. And we just had this conversation. And it's, it's ironic we've got the two boys on tonight because it's going to lead me into a question to Cahill and Paul here. But we chatted about... The, the commitment levels that's needed now, you know, in the current climate and, you know, in the current game, but also the desire to play for the county, you know, like like when you were a youngster and you were growing up, it was always everyone's aspirations to be there and, and to play. And it was so difficult, like, you know, so many years ago. And now there's just so many different pathways now to inter-county football for young players through school, through development squads and things like that. But one thing, like, it struck a chord to me, like, I remember speaking to Cal, probably Cal, you don't, I don't know if you remember this, but we're having a, a bit of a, a light conversation on the pitch before we played Armagh in that playoff game. And we're just chatting in general, like, and it really struck a chord to me. And I, we're talking about social lives and I remember saying to you like the last time you had a beer and I think you'd said to me like it was New Year's Eve or something you know and this was this was like the fucking end of June like or the middle of June you know and I was thinking to myself Jesus mine was Wednesday night you know <laughs> and then I was thinking this is, uh, this is this is New Year's Eve but it does it, it it shows you the difference Joe in commitment levels and I think what scares a lot of players now is that you know, that commitment, you know, and Paul talked about his sort of regret of maybe not committing, you know, at an earlier age in the same way as he did in his latter years. And I just maybe wanted to, to ask that question to the two lads. Like, you know, it was obviously, Cal and Paul, a huge, like, lifestyle change for you. Like, just a huge, complete, just sacrifice of family, friends, holidays, the whole lot. Like, would, would, would it be right in saying that? Or have you noticed that, Cal, from the time you started to more recently, has it become even more engrossing and committed? Like, yeah, I suppose, um, look, I started back, whatever, it was 2006. Um, it was probably a slow burner, you know. At that time, there was probably still the, the culture of, you know, drinking a bit more. I was in college, you were getting away with it. like. But it was it was a thing around that time, you know, lads would go out after games. There was, there was definitely a lot more drinking involved. like, And then it probably into, you know, from from probably when I left college and that, like, I went, I would have gone, like, ultra serious in terms of preparation and recovery and all that side of things probably to a point where I was probably nearly to the detriment of my performance I'd say I was probably um over preparing and under performing in a game 
in, in games, you know, <laughs> I was doing everything and then not actually going out and delivering on the day because like maybe I thought that it was just going to happen type of thing, you know, where they should have focused on that. Whereas probably since, since we've had the kids, you know, they put a bit of structure on your life a bit more They, you know, you can't be going off doing ice baths and you can't be going off doing this, that, and the other, like, and I found maybe the, over the last four or five years that like, sometimes you just, you have to come home in the evening and you put your feet up maybe when they're gone to bed and you, you watch a bit of telly. Whereas I probably would have been driving down to Carrick and Shannon up to Roscommon doing an ice bath and doing, doing whatever. And maybe I didn't need to be doing that, you know? So I think it, it probably fluctuated throughout my, throughout, throughout my career. Like, you know, and at different points, you just have to try and find it, It's all about balance. Like I would say. And uh, what about yourself, uh, Paul, on that in terms of in terms of commitment, you know, coming towards the end of your career? Was that kind of the main reason why it's sort of sort of difficult to stay on? Um, it was probably one of, yeah, for me, like there was no major reason. It was it was lots of small things. And I would say it was one of the small things um, just to kind of uh, hit on what Carl said there. I, I would find that. Like I, yeah, I, there's times I've come full circle. So I've done the I've done the thing where, you know, I don't drink for months or whatever, but. And I've done the done the thing where I do all the all the stuff properly, and, and again, probably some little bit of over preparation at times, and again, it, it nearly leads to an anxiety. Them the days that you don't re, you don't go to the gym or you don't do whatever you feel like I, I haven't kind of reached my goals or whatever. And I I felt what works best for me, and I probably realized this a little bit later than most. But like once I'm happy uh, in what it's going on, in what's going on, so like in my relationships with my family, with like it's reaching a level of happiness where if I kind of before I wasn't happy unless I was doing something every day. And, and if I look at some of the, maybe the poorest stints of play I've had over one or two months, I was probably doing more training than any time, but I wasn't managing it very well. And I was probably going training just to kind of, um, just to say to ticket and say, I did it for another day, whether it was kick and freeze or whatever it was like, I do think it's all about balance and balance for everybody is a little bit different. Like, you, you know, you'd have, you'd have worked with or coached with or played with players whereby they need a different length of rope than others. And some people need to be training all the time and others, like I, I've talked to uh, Shane Redmond, who's recently retired from uh, Carlo football as well. And Shane, we would have always spoke about this before games, like uh, being close. He talked about, he'd really like, he likes a good week of training leading up. And Stephen would happily tell you, but like 10 days out, I'd be happy. I won't say not to kick a ball, but if I didn't see the field 10 days before a game, I'd be feeling better and better each day and that my body would be almost, uh, I suppose, repairing itself. Uh, and that's something I probably wouldn't have re realized before. Um, and I just, yeah, I think it's, it's different for each individual, but it's very hard. And I know it's probably a question um, that that'll come up. It's very hard for a coach or a manager to, to get that right, to get that balance. It's, a, it's something probably learned over time to get that balance with players uh, that, you know, that you, you do give lads a little bit of different leeway in terms of what they're doing and advice like advising them i can only advise someone what i found worked well for me but i know of other stuff that's worked well for others you know i know lads who will consistently train all of the time and it works well for them but i think as life goes on you get a little bit older you kind of derive happiness from different things in life and, and for me once i'm happy i always played at my best would you agree with that stevie do you think it's sort of uh, time that you know managers sort of uh sort of manage their players differently and gave boys some some leeway. I know they're afraid to do it because it's you're sort of thinking, you know, you can't do that for one player and not do it for another player. Joe, I I said this a couple of weeks ago to somebody. I, I, I think I think it's it's very close to 
the game going mad a wee bit, you know, and the, with the commitment levels. Like I know here, like for a fact, like there's there's counties here in Ulster that are back training flat out, like flat out, you know, five six days a week at the present moment in time. You know, S and C sessions, pitch sessions, you know, meetings, one to ones. It's it's factual, like you know, it's 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 happening, like, and you're just thinking to yourself, like. You know, sometimes you actually take a step back. Cahill talked about that glass ceiling with Roscommon, you know, trying to break into that All-Ireland semi-final, right? Uh, could Roscommon have gone on and win an All-Ireland? You know, in the current climate, you know, possibly not. And that's no disrespect to the players, but there's a number of things there. Like, Cal, you'd probably agree with me here as well. Like, for example, let's look at the players that are based in Dublin. Even there must be 14, 15 lads that are having to travel back twice a week from Dublin. I've done the journey. I know what it's like from, from, from Dublin. Like, and it's, it's, you know, you're hitting traffic on the N7 or whatever, or whatever M6. I don't know what motorway it is, but you're hitting traffic going West. And, you know, it's a big, it's a big commitment on the body. It's a big demand on the body. Then you're traveling home, you know, you're traveling back to Dublin Then you're getting up, you're doing a day's work, you know, and there's other counties that things are just so much more stacked in their favor, financially, logistically, numbers wise. And I just feel sometimes we need to look and we need to think, right, you know, are we going to win this? Are we going to do that? So you're, you're, you want to sort of bring the fun back. And I think Paul would probably be the first to admit this. Like, you know, we, we probably, when we were down with Carlo, like we never knew we were going to win a Leinster title, but I think Paul, we got the balance right. I think we got the balance right between enjoyment, fun, recreational, you know, and, and taking it serious as well. Like we did our video work, we had our meetings, like, but listen, we had our training camps and we had our few beers and we had our pints after matches and, you know, with a great camaraderie and a great spirit. And I would look back in those days very, very fondly, you know, for the rest of my days, because, you know, yes, you know, you got the promotion and you had a couple of big days out, you had a couple of big wins, but we knew we were never going to win Leinster. We knew we were never going to win in Ireland, but you made progress and you made gains, you know, and, and that's, that's a huge thing. And I think, you know, Joe, it's, we need to look at the level of commitment and, and what's been asked of players because, you know, it, it's become, I think it's become hugely extreme now. I think it's gone to the to the other end now. I really, really do. I think that the fun has just been absolutely drained out of the game at the present moment in time, all chasing that little bit extra. And really and truly, in my honest opinion, there's probably only really three or four counties can win it, you know, if, if you're being realistic, like, you know, and that's that, that's down to a number of factors. Like, like for example, in Tyrone, like, like, I know from the in-laws and speaking to them, like the structures that's going on, like the structures in Tyrone are just at a different scale, like at underage level, the way the development squads are monitored, you know, there's a teacher in school, there's young lads involved at the minute in the development squads, he's filling me in on what's going on and how well they're organised and what's, you know, there's so much good working on and that takes years and years, Joe, to get to that level, you know, and, and listen, it's it's even the school structure in Tyrone, like speaking to a teacher tonight there and like look at Holy Trinity, Holy, Trin Holy Trinity's playing in the McCrory Cup, which is the marquee competition, right? In their school, they've got Kevin O'Boyle, former Antrim player. They've got John McKeever, one of the top coaches in, in Ulster. They've got Kieran McGeary, the current footballer, one of the current footballers of the year. There's Peter Canavan, you know, it's Owen Mulligan's former school. Like they've got they've got just an array of teachers who are driving GA. Like it's it's a football mad, and it's and that's happening everywhere. And I know Cahill in your role as as Connacht GA manager, like you know, you probably see, you know, what the work that goes on and the work that's needed just to just to get. To, to what you're trying to get to at the top level. And it, it, it takes a huge amount of work, Joe, and a, and, a, and a huge sacrifice and commitment. And I think, personally, well, at the minute, what's separating the really top teams, and the boys can come in on this and, and let me know their views on it, I'd be keen to hear it. What's really separating the top teams from the next gap is the level of physical conditioning. And I think that that, that is a huge, huge barrier that a lot of teams can't get to at the minute. And there's reasons for that, you know? Uh, so any, and if you want to come in on that, yeah, well, I, 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 a couple of things there. Um, 
I, I think when you were talking about Carlos, Steve, it just struck a chord. As in, um, I suppose there was there was nothing done that was um, that was mindless. In that there was always a reason for the things you might do, and there was a culture created probably for the first time when I was in there. Um, since I've been in there, like uh, where you, everyone understood. That lads were faced with moral decisions, maybe ethical decisions at times where they knew what was achievable for us and that goal, the big goal was to get out of Division 4 and we knew what we had to do to get it. I suppose we were trying to match up um, match up levels of enjoyment and kind of team camaraderie. We had all the players that we wanted in um, and then to, to get to that next level and to get out of Division 4, we kind of knew what was being asked for. So there were times that lads might have gone for a drink after a game before and it just wasn't happening in that year, but I don't think it was down to anyone asking you not to do it. More a culture of lads, can you kind of feel the bigger picture here of what's happening and this is why it's happening. Um, like with regard to getting to getting to a certain level, like I, I certainly feel that there, there are barriers and a lot of those barriers are around finance uh, with um, different counties in terms of like like take for example and it's no slight of Carlo because they, like the powers of being Carlo do all that they can with what they have at their disposal um, but like Carlo still doesn't have a gym for example um, like a county gym there's a there's a makeshift version underneath the stand in, in our county grounds um, but it's not as if it's open any day to go there it's it's, it's used for group sessions and, and that's really it but in our centre of excellence um, if you want to call it that like out in Fenna um there's no gym out there so you could be out for a four-week period and you'd only love to be you could be out there three nights a week you could have 12 gym sessions done but the equipment just isn't there so you're relying on yeah there's membership in a couple of different hotels and stuff like that but if you're supposed to be attending training but you're also supposed to be doing recovery well that's another hour and a half maybe throughout the day and I just think a lot of that is down to um, a lot of that is down to finance and structures and I, I don't have the answer to that maybe I'd say Kyle could probably shed some light on that in the role the type of role that he's in but I know that in Carlo, that's a huge problem. Yeah, I suppose, like, look at the, the fitness levels, as Stevie mentioned there, is uh, it's a huge thing. Like, and the, the top teams are, no doubt, more conditioned, uh, better conditioned. But there's, I suppose, there's, there's several factors to that as well. Um, like Stevie mentioned, in terms of there's only a handful of teams that are, I suppose, realistically able to win the All-Ireland. And... The reality is they're keeping their squads together and their players together for longer periods of time, you know, in terms of, you know, year after year after year. And that fit, them fitness level don't don't happen in, you know, 12 or 18 months. It takes three, four, five, six years of, of constant progression for players to get to that level. And then I suppose dicing on the cake is the, the skill levels. Like I would have even though Dublin's physical conditioning was was outstanding, like I know from the few times we played them, like the one thing that really struck me was their their skill execution. Like no matter what, uh, you know, kick out press you put on them, no matter what you've done, they were always able to execute the the basic skills of the game really, really well. Like they could, if you went pushed up on them, to kick out across you. If you sat back, <laughs> you know, they'd run through you. You know, like their their skill level was awesome, and I was only at one game this year of Tyrone's it was the All Ireland final. I was sitting up the, the at the at the end, the canal end there, like, and their composure on the ball this year was was just phenomenal. Like in the in the final, like I still think it it comes down to the team that has the best decision makers and the de the best skill level because I I think the teams at the top level, they're all well conditioned. You know, they're at a quite a good level. Um. 
and it come down to the, the skill levels with the, with the players there. Like I, I just remember in the All Ireland final, it was just it was it was phenomenal. Even at the end, the way Tyrone kept the ball over and back, back to the keeper, he was like a quarterback just popping the ball out. Like so, um, yeah. So look at the it's 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 a tough one. And I suppose going back to the going back to the structure, like 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 Paula said, um. Like a lot of these issues, it's it's I suppose it's finance, it's it's structures, it's population. There's no there's no one thing that that you can put your your finger on, you know. And it's look at it's up to every county then to look after look after that, you know. Yeah, you, that's a very interesting comment, Cal made there, and Paul will probably remember this as well. Like I remember going down to Garvahi like in the winter of 2017 to play a challenge match. It was unheard of for Tyrone to play a challenge match, but. Uh, there was some connection via Turlock and Mickey Hart or something via a friend, and we got a game with them in in uh, in Gervahi. And Cal, let's just to back up what you said there. I remember sort of a lot of the lads sort of saying, "What sort of team will Tyrone about?" But there was no, there was going to be no ish or no discussion of what team they were out. It was going to be their first team because he ran with the panel, Cal. You know, every year there was no, there was no trellis come in. There was no 30 men come in for the McKenna Cup. Like, that's one of the reasons why they won 14 McKenna Cups in a row or something yeah. mad. Because now they'll probably not want it this year because they're on holiday. But the fact of the matter is, you know, they played their strongest team, Joe, because that's what they were. They had a squad, they had a panel, and very, very few players ever left it. And if they did leave it, there was one or two replaced them or somebody might have replaced them. So keeping a panel together, the same group of players, like you talk, listen to what Paul said there now. And Joe, our own county, look at our own county, you know, the turnover of players every year and down. Like, you know, that, that's why there's questions. That, that's why it's happening because you're bringing in lads now. And like, I know for a fact now that the boys are back training or doing bits and pieces of trial work, like, you know, you've got about 15 new faces there this year again, and those lads are starting off at a club level fitness like, and trying to get to a level of fitness where these lads have been at for uh, for the guts of, as Cahill says, their six, seven years. Joe, I'm just surprised Cahill never mentioned the challenge game Roscommon played against Tyrone the week before the championship. Cahill ran right then for Manny against them. Ran right, but I'm surprised he didn't mention that, actually. You know what I mean? I thought he was going to come on Went there and pulled my grind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned there, Cahill, um, you know, about the skill levels and, you know, the physical attributes that these top teams have and decision making and so on. Um, we, we've got 500 coaches on our WhatsApp groups. Um, how much of developing a team is down to good coaching or what, what do you think good coaching, good coaching is? Yeah, like good coaching is, is huge, like in it. Um, and no more than what we're talking about with the with the preparation of, of ourselves individually as players. Like I think I think simplicity with it is 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 key. You know, I think sometimes as coaches we uh, like I obviously do coaching through through work and so on, have a lot of engagement with it. I think sometimes we we probably overcomplicate it. I think the other thing we probably need to do is uh regard whatever group you're at, you have to go and meet the group wherever they're at. Like, you know, it's not just a case of you know, I have a certain way of playing or I have a certain way of preparing a player or a team and they're going to do what I want to do. You probably have to go and, and meet the player where they're at, whether that's a, an inter-county team, you won't do the same thing as you will with a club senior team or a club junior team, you know. It's the same as if you go into a nursery with a seven-year-old. You have to go back and meet the, the player where they're at. Like, And even with a seven-year-old, you can have a really good seven-year-old or, or a poor seven-year-old. So I think selecting your activities then based around that and... The rest of it then is around, you know, 
building good communication uh, relationship with players and, and and Paul mentioned it earlier creating a I suppose a culture where the the player understands where where they sit in it and that ultimately the player wants to learn themselves you know and, and they want to become better at every aspect of, of the game you know so they're probably the keeping it simple and going and meeting the player where where they're at I think they're their foundation and everything that we should be doing. And yourself there, Paul. Paul, what, what, what was kind of the best thing that you were ever coached or what, what do you think makes a good training session or what do you think helps you or helped you in your career in terms of people coaching you? Well, under Stevie, I, I rarely touched the ball because it was down the other end. Lads were hand-passing it around. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and all, all joking aside, it was uh, for me, it was enjoyment. And I, I hugely enjoyed that period. But it, for, if I look at any, I, any training that I, uh, like any period in my life where whether football was going well or not, like I had plenty of years of Carlo that weren't going well and I really enjoyed travelling to training. And for me, that was enjoyment. Um, now, what I get out of it and what others get out of it might be different, but like I do remember a friend of mine saying before, and you might say, well, he's not much of a friend, but I remember a guy saying to me before, uh, we were in Tesco one day, and he said to me, how do you do it? I don't get how you do it. We're just passing in the, in the, he said, you're going back in with the county, how do you do it? And this was maybe, I don't know, 2014 or 15. And like for me, it's, I suppose, like, it's a, I don't know, like a lifelong learning team, uh, learning thing, like Carl touched on it there, like, do I want to keep learning? I'm most, like learning is not, uh, for me, it's not linear, like, as in I, I would look at, like, I have three good months of learning something, and then you have a failure, and you go a bit backwards, but, like, you just know that, right, I've hit a wall, I need to come back and turn a different direction, and, like, I know that sounds a bit complex at a juvenile level, and I think it is, and I think for, the big thing for juvenile is enjoyment, and kind of, I won't say goal setting, but letting them know what looks like better play. Do you know what I mean? So like uh, making it focused on, look, if you were able to get the ball and each time you got it, you were, this was the first up, like one of the, you know, quick quips, like head up, look forward. Like I think is one of the most important things that you can teach a young player that the first time they get the ball, like, you know, the ball will move quicker than anything else. And if head up, look forward is it's in all the good teams. It's in your Dublin's, Tyrone's, your Ross Commons, all the teams you look at and you see, like you see them kind of, the minute they get the ball, the first option is to move it as quick as possible forward. Like it doesn't always work that way, but I think little things like that that can be taught to, to kids that they would, and even to adults, like it, it depends again what level you get them at. If you come in and they've been there for six years working together, this stuff is probably stuff that you're long past. You're then on to maybe tactical stuff to break down teams you're going to play. But if you're looking at things to improve um, and improve quickly, like it, it's those little things. But they, I say quickly, they don't happen overnight. Carl touched on it earlier, like it's, it's kind of, it could take months for some of this stuff to click, but it's when you can maybe use a bit of video to show, look at what you did there. And I'll go back to what I said, does the player understand what looks like good play from their position? And quite often, um, what seems like good play on paper, like a forward getting five points. Um, I take the example of, uh, I'm not a United fan now, but lads always talk about Ronaldo. And I was talking with a guy in school the other day and we were kind of saying that like, he, he scores plenty of goals and, and stuff like that. But, like, if he scores 30 goals this season, is it 30 more goals for United? Um, I definitely don't think so. It might be seven or eight more goals, but, um, like, he's certainly taken goals on other players. And I don't mean that in the kind of a, a sense. I think he's an excellent player, obviously, and uh, my opinion of him doesn't really matter. But what I'm saying is that does a forward scoring five points necessarily mean that they had the game of their life? I don't think so. Um, so kind of mapping out for them what good football looks like. And I think that's maybe something that can be done in very simple terms, Um you know, for someone like, like I go back to head up, look forward um, and stuff like that. But uh, 
But yeah, that, for me, that's it. The number one I'd have on my list is enjoyment. You have to want to go. Um, you're one of days you don't want to go for whatever reason, but again, it comes back to, for me, it's all about I'm happy with everything else. So if I'm happy with everything else and I'm enjoying it, like I really look forward to going. You don't want it to end. Excuse me. Uh, Stevie, enjoyment, Paul said enjoyment there, Cal said simplicity. Uh, too many coaches giving complicated messages, talking too much, complicated drills that don't mean anything. This happens a lot, doesn't it? Joe, I had a, had a friend called to the house tonight from, from West Belfast. He drove up, a man called Michael Jared, a, a Doherty, lovely, lovely man. He's writing, a young fella, he's writing his own books. That's Live, Love and Learn, the GA books. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had a great conversation the night. We sat with a cup of tea and with a great chat about everything, about football, about life. He's a teacher in West Belfast. You know, and he talked about, Joe, one of the highest levels of suicide in the whole of Europe, you know, in West Belfast, you know, and, and North Belfast. And he talked about some of the stories of some of the young lads he's brought through in coaching, you know, and he spent 10 years with his own club, intermediate club in Antrim, bringing these lads through. And he talked about how this year in the intermediate championship in Antrim, 10 lads that he brought through from like the age of seven years of age, played in the Antrim senior or Antrim intermediate semi-final for the club this year, a club that was on the verge of, of, of obviously, you know, falling due to numbers and things like that. And we talked and we talked about coaching and the same thing kept coming back, Joe. And I totally agreed with him. Relationships, relationships, building relationships, building positive relationships. And I'm at it in school every day of the week. Cal's at it in his own role. Paul's at it in his own role. It's relationships. The two lads are sitting here tonight and I would like to think that I could sit and have a chat with these two lads or have a pint with these two lads because they would have built relationships. I know my time with Cal was a lot shorter than my time with Paul, unfortunately, but the fact of the matter is, Joe, that's what my coaching is all about. You know, I think 90% of coaching is if you build relationships, you build a trust, you build a level of respect, and then you get more back. And my father used to say to me, Son, respects works both ways. So if you give respect, you'll get respect back. And any player that have been very, very fortunate to work with Joe, I've always tried to build those relationships and show that level of respect. And I've always, ho hopefully, I've got it back in abundance. You know, and I think that's a big, big part of coaching for me, Joe, is being able to build relationships. But that takes time. Like Cal said, it takes time, you know. And, you know, over the last couple of years, I think it's been very difficult for coaches in club and county because of COVID. And I think it's been extremely difficult because even things such as like the social element of football, which is hugely important because football, Joe, is a huge outlet for so many people. Like it's a, it's a massive, massive outlet. It's a great talking point. It's a great starting point. You know, those nervous moments when you're sitting in a room or, a, or, or you're sitting in a bus or you're sitting, chatting to someone on a train or whatever, and it normally comes back to football. Well, did you see the game the other night or did you, did you watch that or did you see that? And it's, you know, it's a huge talking point. Like, and, you know, I, I think relationships, Joe, is, is, it's just so important in coaching and listen, you bring your own personality, you put your own stamp on things like, but you know, Cal made a couple of great points there as well. And so did Paul, you know, from a, from a coaching perspective about, you know, gauging the room and, you know, coaching at that level and bringing it back and dumbing your coaching down and Paul's simplistic message as well. So it's a mixture of everything, Joe, and everybody will have their own unique way of, of coaching and their own unique philosophy and on how they see themselves and, you know, what, what separates them as a, as a good coach, their set of values, their beliefs, you know, and that, that for me is, is so important. And that's something that I'll take with me, Joe, forever is that sort of pride myself on building relationships with, with young, young uh, and, and old, you know? Yeah, it certainly is that rapport and that trust that you have to build with players. Uh, lads, we, we just finish up here. Um, Cahill, uh, what does the future look like for you? I know you're obviously the games manager there with Connacht GA. Are you thinking of going into coaching, managing, maybe managing club teams or maybe uh, Roscommon or county teams further down the line? No, well, I suppose uh, through work, we, we I, I'm only allowed um, coaching my own club. So, <clears> but I'd be looking at uh, 
I, I suppose like the the youth area, I, I probably hope to get involved maybe next year with maybe an under fifteen or under seventeen team in 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 the club and that type of thing. Um, I suppose my young fellas come to the age now. We'll probably be starting doing some nursery work, that type of stuff. So, um, I'd say that's what the coaching looks like. You know, in terms of club teams for, for myself. Look, we've lots of cool camps and academy squads across the five counties so the, and coach education, so there won't be any any shortage of, of, of that type of work either, you know. So, um, yeah, that's what it probably looks like for me. And uh, Paul, uh, your secondary school teacher, though, are you, are you thinking of uh, coaching club teams or even county teams at any stage? Yeah, I think it's something that I, I would be interested in. Um, at the moment, I've uh, I had someone ask me uh, recently just, Pretty much the week after um, I decided to kind of hang up the boots and it wasn't, they, they'd said they were thinking about asking regardless. Um, it was coming a bit soon for me, really. I think I just need a, like, uh, to put the feet up for um, the winter um, and just kind of, you know, think about what I want to do um, and relax, and kind of just enjoy a bit of downtime. But yeah, it's certainly something in the future that I could see myself doing. Okay, excellent. Uh, okay, lads, uh, thanks very much uh, for, for coming on there, uh, Paul and Cahill. Uh, thanks, Stevie, my co-host as well. And um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time.